Hi, welcome to This Week in Tudor History with me, Claire Ridgway, author of several Tudor history books. Now, in this first part of This Week in Tudor History for the week beginning the 15th of March, I'm going to be looking at the life and career of a bishop who started out as a monk, but whose conversion to the Reformed faith saw him dying an awful death in the reign of Queen Mary I, before moving on to the death of a soldier, translator and diplomat, and the death of a Tudor earl and brother-in-law of a queen who was once known as Black Will Herbert. On the 15th of March, 1554, in the reign of Queen Mary I, John Hooper, Bishop of Gloucester and Worcester, was deprived of his bishopric while imprisoned in Fleet Prison. He'd been charged with owing over £500 in unpaid first fruits, a charge he denied. Let me tell you a bit more about this man who ended up being a Marian martyr. John Hooper was born in Henry VII's reign at some point between 1495 and 1500. His background and early life are obscure, but it's thought that he came from either Devon or Oxfordshire. He was educated at Oxford, graduating with a BA in 1519, before joining the Cistercian Order of Monks at Cleve in Somerset. Hooper probably left the monastery in 1537, following its visitation by Commissioner Sir Thomas Arundel as part of the dissolution of the monasteries. And he became rector of Liddington Church in Wiltshire, while also serving as steward to Arundel. His conversion from Catholicism to Zwinglian-style Protestantism appears to have happened during his time working for Arundel, when he read works by reformers Zwingli and Bullinger. However, Arundel was a conservative, and so Hooper was sent to Stephen Gardner, the conservative Bishop of Winchester, for correction. After a few days with Gardner, Hooper, who feared for his safety, managed to escape and possibly fled to Paris for a time. He then worked for reformist Sir John Sinlow, Arundel's nephew, who was constable of Thornbury Castle, before having to flee into exile again in around 1544, settling eventually in Zurich. He married a Belgian woman, Anne or Anna de Celles, while in exile, and they had two children together, a boy and a girl. In Zurich, Hooper became good friends with Bullinger, and he also published three religious works, an answer to my Lord of Winchester's book entitled A Detection of the Devil's Sophistry in 1547, A Declaration of Christ and His Office in 1547, and A Declaration of the Ten Holy Commandments in 1548. Hooper returned to England in May 1549 and joined the household of Edward Seymour, Duke of Somerset and Lord Protector. He also preached in London, becoming popular, and was active in the founding of churches in the city and also in Glastonbury in Somerset for Dutch and French refugees. In 1549, Hooper was a witness for the prosecution in the trial of Edmund Bonner, Bishop of London, who was deprived of his bishopric. Hooper survived the fall of Somerset and preached at the royal court in the presence of King Edward VI during Lent of 1550, the king offered him the post of Bishop of Gloucester, but Hooper refused because of his objection to the oath concerning saints and the required wearing of vestments. 
He believed the wearing of vestments was not scriptural. Due to the vestments controversy, as it came to be called, and his arguments with Bishop Nicholas Ridley, Hooper ended up being confined at Lambeth Palace, the Archbishop of Canterbury's residence, and then in the Fleet Prison. He was released after his friend Bullinger intervened, persuading him that the issue just was not worth his opposition, and he submitted. He was consecrated as Bishop of Gloucester in vestments in March 1551. In his role as bishop, Hooper set about a visitation of his diocese and set about plans for reform. His biographer, D.G. Newcomb, explains that he took with him 50 articles of religion, 31 injunctions, 27 interrogatories to be asked of the clergy and 61 interrogatories to be asked of the laity and that these articles and interrogatories served as the foundation for Hooper's programme of reform within the diocese and went beyond anything seen before anywhere in England. In 1552, Nicholas Heath, Bishop of Worcester, was deprived of his office and Worcester became united with Gloucester. Unfortunately, Hooper's reforms weren't as welcome in Worcester. In the succession crisis of July 1553, Hooper supported Mary's claim. But just a month later, he was called before the Privy Council and charged with owing over £500 in unpaid first fruits. He denied it and put in a counterclaim for £80, but he was imprisoned in the fleet. The problem was, of course, his faith, not his debt. Hooper's family fled into exile to Frankfurt, but sadly Anne and their daughter Rachel died during an outbreak of plague in Frankfurt in late 1555. It appears also that their son Daniel died young. Hooper was deprived of his bishopric on the 15th of March 1554 and he was tried in January 1555. He was executed by being burnt at stake on the 9th of February 1555. He suffered a long burning due to green wood being used and because of the wind. I'll give you a link to my video on his execution. Moving on to the 16th of March. On the 16th of March, 1533, in the reign of King Henry VIII, soldier, translator and diplomat John Boucher, 2nd Baron Berners, died at Calais while serving as deputy of Calais. He was succeeded by the king's uncle, Arthur Plantagenet, Viscount Lyle. Berners' translations included Froissart's Chronicles, Golden Book of Marcus Aurelius, the history of Arthur of Little Britain and Huon of Bordeaux. And then on to the 17th of March. On the 17th of March, 1570, in the reign of Queen Elizabeth I, William Herbert, 1st Earl of Pembroke, soldier, courtier and landowner, died at Hampton Court, aged 63. Here are some facts about this Tudor Earl. Herbert was born in around 1506-1507 and was the second son of Sir Richard Herbert of Aoas and the grandson of William Herbert, Earl of Pembroke. He was known as Black Will Herbert and fled to France to serve as a soldier there after killing a man. Herbert was married to Anne Parr, sister of Catherine Parr, who later became Henry VIII's sixth and final wife. Herbert served Henry VIII as an esquire of the body, a gentleman's spear and a gentleman of the king's privy chamber. 
When his sister-in-law became queen, he was even more favoured and was awarded various grants and offices. He led a troop of horsemen in the capture of Boulogne in the King's French campaign in 1544 and in 1546 was promoted to be Joint Chief Gentleman of the Privy Chamber. He was also named as an executor of the King's will. In Edward VI's reign, Herbert was made a Knight of the Garter, and under John Dudley, Duke of Northumberland, he was awarded the offices of Master of the King's Horse and Lord President of the Council in the Welsh Marches. In 1551, Herbert was made Lord Lieutenant for all the Welsh counties, Baron Herbert of Cardiff and Earl of Pembroke. King Edward VI visited his home at Wilton in 1552. His wife Anne, with whom he'd had three children, Henry, Edward and Anne, died in February 1552. And he went on to marry widow Anne Talbot, daughter of George Talbot, Earl of Shrewsbury. Although he'd supported Edward VI's choice of Lady Jane Grey as his successor, Herbert changed his mind and secretly met with the Earl of Arundel. They decided to proclaim for Mary instead. After temporary imprisonment for his part in putting Jane on the throne, he was admitted to the Queen's Privy Council and won favour by helping to put down Wyatt's Rebellion in 1554. Mary named him as an executor of her will in 1558 and he was one of those who rode to Hatfield to tell Elizabeth of her succession. He continued to be in favour in Elizabeth's reign, hosting the Queen at Baynard's Castle in 1559 and 1562. Herbert got into trouble with the Queen in 1568 after he supported the idea that Thomas Howard, 4th Duke of Norfolk, should marry Mary, Queen of Scots. He was imprisoned temporarily and he was detained in 1569 after the rising of the Northern Earls. He did, however, manage to convince the Queen of his innocence and his loyalty. He died at Hampton Court on the 17th of March 1570 and the Queen wrote a letter of condolence to his widow. He was buried at Old St Paul's on the 18th of April 1570 beside his first wife Anne Parr. In part two, later this week, I'll be looking at a man who came to a sticky end after supporting his stepson, a former barber surgeon to King Henry VIII, Thomas More's granddaughter who became a famous translator, and a man who helped put down a rebellion. Do join me then. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe so that you can enjoy podcasts on a daily basis. Thank you.